I'm, as many of you know, my name is Tim, and I am one of the pastors here at Every Nation of Vancouver. Um, yeah, welcome to everybody here and to those of you online. Like I waved at the camera. Um, tonight we are, we are continuing our series on abiding in the Word of God, uh, which was our theme for prayer and fasting uh, this past week, and it's the, the theme that much of Every Nation is doing right now, um, which works out super well for you tonight, because if you get bored while I'm preaching, especially for those of you online, you can just head over to Every Nation Toronto and check out what Pastor Richard spoke on this passage this morning. <laughs> um, but today we're, we get to dive into the uh, incredibly rich text of John chapter 1. Uh, and I, I really think this is a, it's a remarkable text. I mean, the, the whole book of John is, is so rich. Uh, they, they say that the Apostle John that he didn't waste a word uh, while he was writing because, because so much of what he writes is just connected to other parts of Scripture or to other things that he says, and it's just filled with, with so much meaning that he just kind of like crams in there. It's like a stuffed pizza pocket. It's, it's great. Um, and so, so it can be fun to, to read, John, because there's just so much to, to realize and discover um, in, in what he writes. And... And to be honest, I, I had a, a, a bit of a hard time putting things together this week. And, uh, you know, I think that, that part of it um, is because, you know, I'm afraid that, that what I find so meaningful and rich and, and what, like, gets me all excited and speaks to me about this book, that maybe that it won't, you know, connect with other people in the same way and in, in, in the, you know, in the same kind of way that, you know, if, if I were to start talking about Lord of the Rings, that might feel really boring to some people, but others would like totally nerd out with me about it. So, um, so I've been a, a little bit apprehensive about that. Um, but at the same time, I realize, you know, our theme is abiding in God's word. Um, and I, I think that that part of abiding in God's word um, is, is to delight uh, in, in God's word. It's, it's, you know, when we abide somewhere, it helps to, to delight in the space that we are in, um, to be able to, when we're abiding there. And, and so I want to, I want to do my best to communicate, um, what I love about the text, what, um, what fills me with hope and with wonder, um, and why it's good news, uh, for me. And my prayer is that you will find it to be good news for you, uh, tonight as well. So, uh, here we go. Uh, first off, uh, fun observation about the beginning of John. Um, it's, uh, it's likely that the Gospel of John is the last of the four Gospels in the Bible to be written. And, um, and there's this fun pattern where, where Mark starts his account of Jesus with the, with the baptism of Jesus and then then Luke starts a little bit further, a little bit earlier than that. He starts when the angel comes and uh, speaks to Mary about the birth of Jesus, and then and then Matthew, you know, starts earlier than that. He goes he goes back to the genealogy and all the way back to Abraham. And so then you know John is like, well, I can go even further back than that, and he starts at the very beginning. Um, so that's sort of a, a fun observation. Um, I'm not sure that's actually necessarily the order they're written in, but it is still a fun thing, so I wanted to share that with you. Um, but really, I think that uh, the Apostle John starts where he does because John is an evangelist. 
And he's, he's, he's trying to, to start his account of Jesus uh, in a way where he can connect with as many people as possible. He wants to, he wants to cast a really wide net so to, to just kind of gather people's attention in. And, and so he starts at the beginning of all things. And, and we, we know that John's purpose is to build faith in Christ because he tells us so um, in his purpose statement from John 20, uh, verse 31, where he says, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have faith in him, faith in his name. And I, I, I love that statement, um, that, that, that John's motivation um, is, is for the people, for us, who read what he's written, that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing that we would have life in his name. Um, that's, a, I, that's a, I think, a powerful prayer, and, um, and I think that's, that's, John's, that's John's motive. Um, and so he wants to he wants uh, people to know and to believe in Jesus. And so he starts as far back as he can and uses terminology to connect with as many people as possible. Um, and and by doing so, he also I think he addresses uh, the the human existential crisis that uh, I think most of the time that we avoid in our day to day business. Uh, but in reality, is one of the questions of life that, is, that has been a question of life for as long as humans have existed. And, and this question is, um, why are we here? Why is there something instead of nothing? And since there is something, what is it for? And what is our purpose? And so these are these are. Big existential questions, um, and they're you know I think most of the time they're they're pretty intimidating, um, and uh, you know sometimes it's easy to be afraid of like well what if I think about these questions and I I don't like the answer uh, it can make me really uncomfortable, um, so uh, so most of the time you know we we don't I don't think we think about those questions we think about ground level problems like eye level problems and so so you know we we focus on uh, other uh, important things like what am I going to eat today, um, or you know how am I going to learn how am I going to earn a living uh, so that I can buy food and and, and pay for housing. Um, we we think of you know how how am I going to get along with my housemates, or uh, how will I find time to to get all the work done and all the responsibilities that I that I have. And and if we figure out some of those important things, then sometimes we start to to sort through um, other problems like. Should we use this shade of white or that shade of white to paint the living room? Or, you know, which new series should I start watching on Netflix? And, and so, you know, our, our problems, they, they can tend to vary in scale. Um, but as Pastor Greg uh, often likes to say, he says, you just need a bigger problem. And so I, I guess that the, the Apostle John was listening. Um, and so he starts his gospel by speaking to the existential crisis of why is there something instead of nothing. And so he writes, in the beginning was the word. So let's just read um, this whole passage. We're going to read John 1, uh, verses 1 to 14, and then we'll come back to the top and kind of work through what John is trying to communicate here. In the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to, the ho- to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John starts, in the beginning was the word. And the first thing that this would remind uh, readers who knew, the, who knew scripture, uh, it would remind them of Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. Except that John, John puts this this surprise in there because John writes, in the beginning was the word. And John, of course, he explains that the word is with God and is God and that all things are created through him. So, so the, the allusion, the connection to Genesis 1-1, it's very strong. But there's this, there's this kind of a big surprise in there because because. Because the Apostle John, he was, he was, he was Jewish, and as a, as a good Jewish man uh, who, who knew Scripture, it's a surprise that he would then write, in the beginning was the Word. And I think that, that, that this shows, again, that, that because John is an evangelist, and he wants as many people as possible to know why there is something instead of nothing, and so he, he says... Uh, so he says, in the beginning was the word. And he wants as many people to connect with what he's saying. So he chooses a term that will resonate with as many people as possible. And then he, he defines it. He adds new terms and understanding to it. Um, and so he uses this term, the, the, the Greek term that we find there, it's, it's, it's logos. Uh, in the beginning was the logos. And, and logos, it just means word. It's, it's used a bunch of times in, in other places in the New Testament. And in most of those places, it just means word. It, it, without any other special meaning behind it, it just, it's just word. But here John uses it in a unique way. Because he says that the word is there in the beginning, and that the word is with God, and that the word is God. Well, that, that's a big word. So, so who or what is this word? Well, John is he's taking a term that had various meaning 
in first century culture, and he's, and he's saying something remarkable about it. And so, so one of the connections is in the, in the Gentile world, in the, in the Greco-Roman world, in which they all lived, in which he's writing, um, the, term, the term logos, or word, had, had various meaning. Uh, and so, so Greek, Greek philosophers had philosophized um, about the, the word of the logos, and, and, and they, they talked about it as the, as the reasonableness behind the universe, or, or that it was... They called it the integrating principle of all of life. And so the Logos, it, it integrates things in all of life. And others called it the, the medium of government that is behind the world. And, and so, so in their minds, the, the word of the Logos is this, it's this impersonal force that is behind everything that exists. And for Star Wars fans right now, you're like, ooh, the force. Um, but, uh, and and while, while not everyone in the, the the Gentile world, would have you know would have understood the like it in philosophical terms like this in the way that the philosophers did. They they would have at least had a casual familiarity with the term and and what it would mean. And so when when John says um, says in the beginning was the word, he then and and then describes it with new meaning. It would have drawn both familiarity with them. But then also curiosity, because because they would be like, oh, like what's what's going on here? Like there's because because again, there's this there's a there's a twist. Like there's something I recognize, and then something more that's that's going on. And it's similar to something that the apostle uh, Paul does in Acts chapter 17 when when he's in Athens and uh, and he and he addresses them um, about the idol to an unknown god. And and so Paul he starts with where they're at. And, and so he meets them there, and then he fills their, this place where they're at with new meaning and tells them about who God and, and Jesus really are. And, and so John is doing this kind of thing when he says, in the beginning was the word. He's meeting them where they're at, and then he's filling their understanding with greater meaning and greater truth. But, uh, but the logos, or the word, also held meaning for, for Jewish readers in John's gospel. And, uh, and, and, and some of us, you know, maybe when you hear that, you start to ask questions as well as when you've read the Old Testament and, and to, to some of these connections. Because um, in, the, uh, in, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, the, the word uh, held power as the creative agent. And so, um, so in, in Genesis 1, uh, when, when God speaks, creation happens and so God speaks a word, and it comes into being. And so God says, you know, let there uh, be light, and there's light. And God says, you know, let there uh, be, be plants and trees and, and birds, and, 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 and there were, right? God, God speaks a word, and it comes into being. Psalm 33, 6 um, says it like this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And so it's this, this God speaks a word, and it comes into being. But then, then um, there's also this, this understanding of the word in the Old Testament that it is, that it is revealing something. It's, it's, it's revelatory. Um, as when God spoke to the prophets um, and he was, that he was revealing something to them. And, and so then they would, they would receive this word from the Lord. They would say, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah or the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And 
and that he's, he's, he's revealing something um, to them about himself or about the people that they are now to share with, with the people. And, and so it's this, this revelatory um, uh, thing that is happening where God is revealing himself to them. Um, and, and we see um, a, another parallel in, in this revelation where, um, where, it, where it's referring to, to, the, to the law of God or the word of God in the Old Testament. And so, uh, so the word is, is revealing again as it is describing the written truth that God has given to his people. And, and then um, in the hundred years uh, leading up uh, to the birth of Jesus, um, Aramaic had become the, the main language among the Jewish people um, at the time. And so very few of them spoke Hebrew anymore. Um, and so, uh, so when they would, they would go to the synagogue and the, the Hebrew Bible would be, would be read to them, but very few of them would understand what was going on. And so, so there was a translator who would, who would, who would stand there and would, would translate or paraphrase to them in Aramaic what was being read um, out of the Hebrew Bible. And, um, and so these, these translations, they were called targums. And, and, and during this period, some of these targums started to be, to be written down and uh, and what we've what was found in in the targum documents that that we have is is that translators um, when they were speaking about God would they would say uh, the word of God when speaking about God so 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 if it, if the if the Hebrew text said Moses went and met with God the translator would write um, Moses went and met with the word of God. And so, so in the hundred years leading up to the birth of Christ, there's this, there's this, uh, this familiarity in the Jewish uh, consciousness um, of associating God with, with the Word of God. Um, and so, so, when, so when John then uses this term, he's connecting with them in their familiarity with the Old Testament and in their familiarity from the paraphrases, the translations that they were hearing through these targums. And, and so, it's the, so it's quite remarkable um, how this term is known, logos, um, is known in various cultures at this time, but in different ways and all with, with a partial hint of the truth that John is able then to reference and fill with fuller meaning. It's, it's a preacher's dream to, to think of such a word um, and to be able to, like, you know, use when, when sharing with everybody. Um, I, unfortunately, am not that smart, and so I couldn't think of a parallel um, for, for us today. But, if, you know, if you are, feel free to, if you think of one, you can, you can let me know later on. Um, and so John introduces us to the word and declares that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Imagine, imagine reading this for the first time. And maybe, maybe for some of you, this, this, this is your, your first time. Um, for, for those of us uh, who know where this is going, you know, it can be hard sometimes to, to imagine what it would be like to hear this for the first time. But, but I think that that in hearing it for the first time, we're, we're meant to realize some incredible claims about who the word is and to, and to begin to wonder, who is the word? 
And then, and at the same time, we're also launched out of our, our ground-level problems into these existential ones of, of wondering, like, why is there something instead of nothing? Because, because John is, is, is giving an answer to that question. Because of God and the Word, who is with God, and yet is also somehow God, and because God created through the word. So there, is, so there is something instead of nothing because of the word, says John. And then, um, and then all this is, is packed into, into mystery, uh, packed with mystery and meaning, um, and, and, and that there's, because there's a, this, this further hint at the persons of the Trinity, um, God is the Father, Son, and Spirit. The, the persons of the triune God uh, are implied here in the opening words of God because we, see that, because we see God in separate persons in the way that he's talking about the Word and the way that he's talking about God. Um, so, there's this, so there's mystery in what John is saying, but there's also this unveiling and an indication that more is going to be unveiled why is there something? Because through him, the word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that, light was, and that life was the light of all mankind. And I, I like the way um, a commenter, Leon Morris, he sums it up. He says, there never was a time when the word was not. There never was a thing that did not depend on him for existence. I just, I just, I, I love that idea. Um, there never was a thing that did not depend on him for existence. I, in, in, in hearing this and reading this, I, I, I like to, to imagine uh, two people um, watching a movie. Maybe you, you watch movies with someone like this. Maybe you are someone that does this. But, you know, when you're watching a complicated movie and, the, and you're with someone and they, they don't, like, the, they start to ask questions about the plot that the movie is going to answer as the movie goes along, but they, they don't want to, so then they start asking questions. And, and, and so it's like, um, what, like, why is there something? Because of the word. Well, who is this word? Well, we're not totally sure yet, but he's somehow God, and everything was made through him, and everything still seems to depend on him for life. Oh. <laughs> so, so the word is God, and, and yet distinct, and the word is life. The, the life of all creation, that there is, there is something instead of nothing because of the word, that life exists because of him and life continues to exist because of the word, even today. And then, and then there's this further shift of language in verse 4, so that we come to realize that the word is also light. And, um, and there's, there's this language the language of, of light and dark, it, it alludes back um, again to the creation story where, where God um, separates light from darkness. Um, but, there's, but, but John is saying something more 
about light than, than simple, simply separating light from darkness um, or, or about day or about night because he mentions that the darkness has not overcome the light. That there's, there's something going on more than night and day. That there's that this more of a, of a good versus evil or, or a truth versus lies or a true knowledge versus a false knowledge kind of a thing that, that John is speaking to. And so then he brings up uh, John the Baptist in verses 6 through 9 and, and, and to say that he came to bear witness to the true light that is coming into the world. So that in verse 10, we then, we then discover that the word is God and the word is life and the word is light greater than the darkness and that the word has come to the world. And John is, he's, it's, it's, it's all these layers that, that John, he's just, he's just peeling back and, and filling with meaning who the word is. Um, and so to, to reveal uh, the word to us, um, and, and the more we discover uh, who the word is, and the, and the more that we, we discover um, how, how life and light are dependent upon him, how thriving and truth are dependent upon him. So that then here in verse, so that then here in verse 10, when we discover that, that there's this incredibleness about who the word of God is, that there's all of this that depends on him. And then suddenly there is this note of tragedy in, face, in the face of the incredible reality of the word because even though he had made the, word, the world, even though the world was dependent on him for life itself, even though he is the source of light and truth, the world did not recognize him. It's as if John is suggesting um, that, that a broad and vague understanding of who the Logos is, like the, like the Gentile world had, wasn't enough to fully recognize him and understand who the word truly is, even when he came to them. And then in verse, verse 11, it continues that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. As if John is saying um, that an even, even more refined, uh, even biblical understanding of, of who the word is um, that the Jewish people had wasn't enough to recognize him when he came. It's a, it's a tragic moment because, uh, because people thought they knew the word but missed out on him when, when he came. And it, and it raises a question for me and, and, and maybe for you um, because could we be so arrogant as, uh, in our thinking that we know the word but then actually miss him? It's a, for, for me, that's a, that's a terrifying thought um, because I would hate to miss him. But then there's, but then there's hope because John goes on. In verse 12 and 13, we find that, uh, that some did receive him and that for those that did came the miracle of belonging 
of belonging to the family of God, of becoming a child of God. Not a child of natural birth, but adopted through the word to become a child of God. And so the word, of, the word is God, and the word is life and light, and he came to earth, and those who receive him become children of God. Those who receive him belong to him and get to abide with him. And John then sums this up with, with powerful imagery of verse 14, where he says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And dwelling among us, it's it literally translated, uh, he pitched his tent among us. Um, but, it, but it's not pitching a tent in, in the sense that, that we would go and, and temporarily pitch our tent at the provincial campground for the weekend. Um, but, but it's the sense of the, the tabernacle, the, the tent of meeting that hosted God's presence in the midst of his people when they were in the wilderness. It was, it was the place where people would encounter God's glory. And, and so Moses, um, he, would, he would go into the tent, and he would come out so covered in the brightness of God's glory that the people of Israel couldn't even look at him. And so he had to, he had to cover his face um, so, they, so they couldn't see the glory of God on him. But John says that the word came down like the tent of meeting among us, but rather than hide, John says, we have seen his glory. And it is the glory of God, and it's the glory of the Son of God who came from God the Father, full of grace and truth. He came bearing the gracious life of God, bearing the light of truth. And, and so John, he takes, and, he, and then John takes the veil all the way down in verse 17, and we didn't, we didn't read this far, but then in verse 17, where he reveals that the bearer of this grace and truth is none other than Jesus Christ. And it's this, this buildup to the, to the big reveal um, uh, of, that the word is from the beginning, and the word is with God, and the word is is also God, and the word is life and grace and light and truth, and that this word is Jesus. He came to us as a, as a, as a person. He came in the flesh as a human, and that he's, he's not far off, which is, which is how the word sounds at the beginning, but he's, he's not far off. He came to dwell with us, um, and, and that we can abide with him and belong with him. And so to the, to the existential problem of why is there something and, and why are we here and are we alone, John says, because of Jesus. There is something instead of nothing because God has made us through Jesus. We are here because God sustains us and loves us through Jesus. And we are not alone because God loves us so much that he sent Jesus so that we could be close. He's, he's not just answering this, this existential abstract question, but he's, he's, he's directing us to the person of, of Jesus Christ and that this, this, whole, uh, this whole thing 
um, the answer to our existential problems is, is not an abstract answer, but it is a person who comes to us to meet with us, to abide with us. And so he, and he draws close to us by coming uh, close to us in Jesus, and we can abide with him because he came to abide with us first. And I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think about too that the how Jesus is the is the light, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I and I think about how, um, you know, it it sometimes feels like we're surrounded by darkness every day. And when I you know when I read through the news, or when I talk to um, some of you or, or folks in my community. Um, you know, I, I realize we've been struggling through a pandemic for almost two years now. And, um, you know, and, 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 the, and the virus and, and other sickness can, uh, sicknesses can be, can be deadly for some. Um, a, a, aloneness and isolation um, has been deadly uh, for some. Um, and, you know, and it feels like, uh, a lot of the time that, that, that governments uh, here and around the world don't always feel trustworthy, and it, and it feels sometimes like, like the church has lost ground in this time, and it feels like people um, are losing or have lost faith uh, in this time. Um, and then there is, there is genocide, and there, is, there are earthquakes and floods and people struggling and suffering all over, and there are so many perspectives and bits of information uh, floating around out there and on the internet that it becomes hard to know what to believe and who to trust. And so that many days, it feels like the darkness is winning. But the darkness doesn't win. And, and it, it might still be hard. It could be hard for the rest of our lives, it could get harder. But the darkness doesn't win because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And we are not left alone in our hardship and despair because Jesus came. He came to abide with us so that no matter where we are or what we are going through, we can be close to the Father in heaven who loves us and who gave everything for us. The word became flesh and he is Jesus. So I, I, I started um, this evening by, by talking about the, the word and, and we've ended up realizing that the word is Jesus and now you're probably wondering like, hey, aren't we supposed to be talking about the word of God, the Bible? And that's a great point. Uh, you'd be right to ask that question. Um, but then I think that, that this is part of John's whole point. Because the word of God is Jesus. He is the fullest uh, representation, the fullest revelation of, of God. God's word became flesh to reveal the word of God to us, and by the spirit of God, we encounter the word of God, Jesus, in every page. In every page, 
that we read. In John uh, chapter 17, verses 25 to 26, um, Jesus, he's, he's praying for, for his disciples and also for his followers that are to come, and that's, that includes us. Um, and, he, and, he, and so Jesus prays, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Jesus continues to make the Father known to us. He is with us. Jesus may have ascended to heaven um, after his death and resurrection, but he is still with us even now by his Spirit. He's with us here tonight. He is with us when we read his word, Scripture. The word who was with God in the beginning is not far off. He is in us. And as Daryl Johnson likes to say, you can't get closer than in. His spirit is in us. The word abides in us so that we can abide in the word of God, so that we have purpose in him and life in him and grace and truth in him. And he is the light and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you sent um, the word to us. I thank you for this, this text that, that you led the Apostle John uh, to write and, and for how it is filled with so much meaning um, for us to discover um, just the, the powerful layers of, of, of who uh, Jesus is. And it is, it is, it is overwhelming uh, just to think of how incredible you are, Lord, um, and how you have met us um, in our in our big questions, and that you meet us in our small questions, and Lord, that you meet us when things are hard, and you meet us in our despair. That you have that you have come to us to reveal yourself to us. That you are not far off. You are the God who is close. You are the God who sees us. You are the God who loves us and you are love. So Jesus, would, would you um, continue to be with us? Lord, as we, as we read your, your word together or on our own, Jesus, would you continue to reveal yourself to us? Make yourself known to us by your spirit. Lord, would you help us to be those who don't miss you? Would you help us to be those who receive you? that we can abide with you, that we can be close to you and in, in all that we face, in every moment of every day. Lord, give us, give us eyes to, hear, to see you and ears to hear you and the courage to follow you in each moment of every day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.